Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Rank CS, it's your favourite football podcast. Back for another week. My name is Jack Collins, and I'll be your host today. And I'm looking forward to talking through some of the most exciting things left in this season across Europe. Joining me, as ever, is the Rank on Mr. Sam Tai. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. It's about that time of the season, isn't it? Oh, only about six weeks left. I was looking, uh, looking at the, the the topic for this week. I was trying to work out. How many games are left to be played? How long have we got left to do it? And my conclusion is there's an awful lot to get done. Really, really quite a lot of games to squeeze into this five to six week period. So let's set the table for everyone today. Yeah, there's there's loads to get through. Loads to get through. And a man who's looking forward to getting through all of it as well. So I transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, 
I'll tell you what, I've got a little bit of a gibberish here. Um, and what it is, is it's Liverpool's results from recently. <laughs> Liverpool's results from recently is a gibberish ranking in itself. They've gone from 7-0 Man United to 4-1 defeat to Man City. to a 6-1 week win over Leeds in the space of like five weeks or something. Absolute nonsense. Like this really is the season that makes no sense, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It really is. And to be honest, that's a nice segue because I want to take us into things we love. And I want to start with a brief look at what happened this weekend. The teams at the top of tables, because it's been a really bad weekend for league leaders, unless you're in France or the Netherlands. Those are my those are my big takeaways, because in the top tiers, Benfica lost to Chaves, Bayern drew with Hoffenheim, Napoli drew with Verona. Arsenal drew with West Ham and Barcelona drew with Hatafe. Now, five of the top seven not winning on a weekend is an acabuster at the best of times, isn't it? But yeah. it seems a bit strange, but it's not only in the top tiers because you actually drop this down to the second tiers and you look at these ones, you Burnley draw with Reading, Ibar lost to Albacete, Frosinone drew with Cagliari and Darmstadt lost to Fortuna Dusseldorf. So across the top two tiers in five countries, in Portugal, in Germany, in Italy, England and Spain, one team won. One of the 10 sides, top of those 10 leagues, won this weekend. That is nuts. It's absolutely nuts weekend. And obviously, like, it's fun and I love it because it's bizarre and it's one of those things that you look at and you go well it opens things up and actually obviously we're going to be talking about endings of the season today we're going to be talking about different things and actually these kind of results make it all a bit more interesting they make it all a bit more nuts at the, at the top and the sharp end of the season and I, I find it incredibly intriguing as to how that can happen and look it's, it's not just in the very top of tables we saw teams in second dropping points we saw uh, the teams cut out for the the race in Spain's top four Drop both two of three drop points this weekend as well. So it's been it's been a kind of mad weekend all round. But I suppose it's to do with the idea of, of burnout. It's to to do with the idea of teams really starting to hit a wall. I think physically, uh, especially the teams who have been dominant throughout this season and the teams who have had a lot of players who went away to World Cup. So it's nothing necessarily to to like in that regard. But what I do like about it is that it's just very very unpredictable at the moment. Well, yeah, two of the Two of the Champions League quarter finalists, so two of eight, won a game. Everybody else drew or lost, and that's that's another thing to add to the list. It's you know you have to you have to take care of yourselves because you have got three games in eight days, and yes, it's the sticky end of the season. But also, how many teams you know rotated over the course of the weekend in order to make sure that they were fresh for Tuesday and Wednesday? Um, to my delight, and I text the boys this, and I got almost nothing in reply. I was really sad about it. <laughs> Diego Demma started for Napoli, which in this house is a holiday day. Like <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like a holy ceremony for Diego Demma to get a game of foot. And these two didn't care, obviously. But I've been talking about Diego Demma for years, and you know that's how much Napoli didn't care about the weekend. <laughs> they started Diego Demma, bless his soul. Yeah, what a player! What a player! Okay, okay. No, yeah, apologies, apologies. It was, it was. I know it was exciting, but there was lots yeah. of things going on. Um, I, I didn't get much response on my Enyaki scoring a goal either. So, uh, so we are, we are where we are. Well, we uh, just right. assumed it would be ruled out by far. <laughs> well, indeed, it probably should have been. Let's go to your thing, we love Sam. 
Yeah, so what I loved this weekend was Roma's wonderful show of support for Lorenzo Pellegrini on Sunday. This was the Sunday night game, so right towards the end of the footballing weekend. And uh, it produced one of the loveliest moments. Roma played Udinese on Sunday. They won 3-0. It was not an easy game. The scoreline is pretty deceptive. They really had to grind through it. It was quite difficult at points. Now, the context for this is that three days earlier, they played against Feyenoord in the Europa League quarterfinal first leg, and they lost. They lost 1-0. And when the score was at 0-0, they missed a penalty. And Pellegrini, the captain of the club, was the one that missed it. He was pretty shaken up by it. And it was a moment in that game, very tense scenario, where obviously it can shape the game and it can go so differently. So fast forward to Sunday, three days later, Roma and Pellegrini walk out of the Olympico and there's a banner held aloft in the stands that reads, roughly translated, in good times and bad, the captain remains as such. And it's a lovely show of support. He, he stepped out onto the pitch. He saw it. There's a picture of him looking at it and reading it. He took it in. And, you know, this was a game where Pellegrini actually was taken off penalty duty. Roma got a penalty and he did not take it. It was given to Brian Cristante, who missed. (laughs) (laughs) Rambo cursed from the spot, aren't they? Fortunately, the the rebound fell to Eduardo Bove, who did really well to control like a a rapid ball into his feet and uh, and slotted it home. And it was okay. And then Pellegrini went on to score. He scored the second goal. Uh, Some good work from one of my favourite players, Andrea Bellotti, uh, teed up Pellegrini and, and he scored a nice cool finish and then you know 90 minutes it's 2-0 it ends up 3-0 um, Pellegrini's taken off and he gets you know a standing ovation or a round of applause and a round of chants from the crowd now it's just, just this might seem pretty standard but let's be honest the general reaction to a critical penalty miss in 2022 and 2023 hasn't tended to be this kind of show of support. It's tended to be something completely in the opposite direction and genuinely quite harmful. So thank you to Roma and thank you to their fans for showing appreciation and respect to their captain and supporting him in good times and bad. He repaid you with a goal and all to play for in the second leg on Thursday against Feyenoord. Maybe you'll go through. Very wholesome. I like that. I like yeah, that. It was very nice. It was Ooh. a very lovely banner. Um, Roma have history of making nice banners, but this one particularly mm. lovely, I thought. So fair play to you, Sam. Um, right, let's go to yours, DJ. What you got for me? Yeah, I'm crossing over to MLS. And um, yeah, I'm not sure this one is as nice, but I loved it. What <laughs> I loved is that LAFC went to LA Galaxy this weekend and took the place over. Um, so for the first time, LAFC actually won a game at Galaxy. Um, Carlos Vela scored twice and helped them to a 3-2 win. Great game. Ooh. And it's been a great start to the season, to be honest. And undefeated into the CONCACAF Champions League semi-final. Like it's, things are going well for LAFC, not going as well for, for Galaxy, who are on the complete flip of that. And we knew that coming into the game. Um, but what I loved was, obviously I've got a, a soft spot, let's say, for LAFC. And... Um, they took the place over, lads. Like beyond their actual allocation, they had fans all over the stadium, groups of fans in, in in galaxy sections of the ground, jumping around, chanting, taking this rivalry to a new level. Now, would I be happy with this as a Galaxy fan? This would not be in things I love, obviously. Um <laughs> It really is rubbing salt in the wounds, isn't it? At a time when Galaxy are kind of on the floor and they want to change of the hierarchy and all sorts there at the moment, things are so bad. But this is what rivalries are all about. Like you push the boundaries, you wind each other up. 
don't think there was any like violence or anything involved like you get in, in rivalries in English football when people can't handle things like in English football you would never be able to to do this like it's completely off limits for other fans to come into our sections um and show any support for the other team you are immediately thrown out or punched one or the other like it's 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 just often not, both yeah often both it used to happen um but it it doesn't happen at all anymore and it did happen here and it's just not something you see and as i say like there was swathes of them all over the place inside the stadium there are some good videos of it on lafc social accounts too um and it was fun to see. It was fun to see all those fans. There were some cheeky videos of them too. Like, you know, someone had gone in with like dressed differently and then got into the stadium. And they're like taking off their clothes. and They've got LAFC shirts underneath and they're all starting <laughs> to, to chant and join in with the, the official away section. Um, but yeah, LAFC absolutely flying right now on and off the pitch. And also, let's remember, El Trafico, one of the best rivalries in football. And yes, MLS does count when it comes to that. Of course, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was yeah. a good All- weekend for MLS rated rivalries. The two, the two brightest sparks in the uh, in, in the cupboard, if you will, the two brightest stars in the sky in terms of MLS rivalries. In terms of, we had both El Trafico and well, two thirds of the Cascadia Cup in uh, Portland Timbers against Seattle Sounders. Yeah. So it was a, a good weekend for that in that regard, and, and two good games as well in in those two rivalry games. Oh, it depends how you support on the on the Portland Seattle side of things but I think for for everybody involved for the, new, for the neutral <laughs> yeah the, uh, the the latest El Trafico was was genuinely sensational and Dean the scenes inside the stadium were cool you, some of the pre-match stuff was really cool as well like yes. the like the, the, the choreographed and coordinated chanting and and singing and like the march they did towards the stadium the march was cool yeah the march was really really cool um a lot of it feels uh, that felt very German football. Uh, German away fans rocking up and being and getting a police escort to the Emirates or something like that for a, yeah. you know, it was it, they're, they're taking little elements from from European football here and there and and and, and taking the best of it really. Yeah, and it's lovely to see. Agree, agree. Right, that's all we've got time for for things that we love. We'll be back after the break with our main segment. We'll be talking about some of the most exciting finishes in this European season. We're going to be talking about title races, about battles for Europe as well. It's all in this next segment. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our main segment. I'm just going to hand the floor to Mr. Sam Ty to set the table. Thank you, mate. Yes, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we've reached the business end of the season. There's lots to be decided. We thought we'd try and set the table for people uh, and try and direct some eyes because there's an awful lot to look at. And sometimes it can be tough to work out what exactly you should be watching. So I've ranked the top five most exciting season ending storylines for this campaign. And a little caveat to start with, uh, I'm going to focus on the good. So this is all title races and and European pushes, because that's obviously uh, where the happy times are. Um, Exciting is a subjective term when it comes to relegation. If you're in it, it's the worst thing in the world. If you're not, it's absolutely fascinating. So let's leave that aside for one moment and uh, let's focus on who can qualify for Europe and who can can, uh, haul in some silverware. Lovely. Excellent. Let's get stuck into it, shall we? Okay, so at number five, I'm going to present to you Spain's European race. Um, this is interesting because a lot of the European races out there, and we'll get to we'll get to one other at least. Um, it kind of feels like it could be anyone between six teams, you know, for those for those like 
Europa League spots uh, and, and Conference League spots and maybe that last Champions League spot. In Spain, it kind of feels like there's this block of four teams who are pretty much set for it. It just depends on which order they come in. And it does rely on Real Madrid winning the Copa del Rey. Because if Real Madrid win the Copa del Rey, seventh place in La Liga will receive Conference League football, five and six Europa League, obviously fourth goes to the Champions League. If Osasuna create one of the greatest upsets of our times, then if you finish in seventh in La Liga, well, that's bad news for you. So in this little cluster of teams, you know, we're going to put Barcelona, Real Madrid and Atletico aside because they are well clear of this. Uh, Atleti a third and then nine points clear of fourth. So I think we can pretty much put a fork in that one. If you're in Madrid, you'll be very interested to see who out of Atleti and Real actually finish second. But for the purposes of this argument, we're going to go nine points south to Real Sociedad in fourth, who just lost the Basque derby to Athletic Club in seventh. And then wedged between them, Betis, who are three or fourth, and Villarreal, who are four or fourth. All of them should get Europe as long as Real Madrid do their job. But there are nine games left here. They've all got nine games left. That seems like a lot of games, given the season's supposed to finish next month, <laughs> doesn't it? Mm. And they've all got to play each other, basically. I'm trying mm. to look at the fixtures. I'm trying to figure out who's got the horrible run and who's got the nice run in. Truth be told, I think they've all got really nasty fixture lists. They're almost all playing each other. They've all got at least a game or two against the top three. Real Sociedad have to play all three of them. And they've all got at least a couple of games against teams who are really scrapping down there. You know, some of them have got to play Valencia, for example, who are just going to be fighting tooth and nail, we hope, anyway. And then all of them have got at least one trap game. And by that, I mean like someone like Celta Vigo, who could definitely just turn up and win and just beat anyone on their day. So do you want to do some predictions as we go through? Do you want to see, do you want to see what we think? I mean, this one feels, this one feels really tough. This is tough. But I don't think Real Sociedad are going to hang on to fourth. I think, I think playing all three of the big three is really nasty. And they haven't been great over the last couple of months. And I just wonder, really, I just wonder if they might slip out of those Champions League spots. And someone like Real Betis, who, when they've had 11 men on the pitch, Jack, have done a pretty good job of just beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. Like, they never win against the top teams. But they usually beat the others as long as they can control themselves. And that should be a recipe for success. They can't control themselves. <laughs> like, it's incredibly frustrating. Like you look at the the weekend before, and you know, obviously, Atleti lost to uh, Betis lost to Atleti the week before, two weeks ago, and we were like, okay, we can probably live with that. The fact that Villarreal beat Real Sociedad on that same weekend felt like it was still an opportunity. Yes, it was an opportunity missed, and, and Betis probably deserved a point. I think out of the Atleti game, but you kind of shrug. You go, it's all right. We've got Cadiz at home next. Lost two nil, two players sent off. Mm. Like, what are you doing? Stop <laughs> it! Like, stop it immediately! It's it, it's so incredibly frustrating. And I tweeted at the time, but like, Betis's ability to shoot themselves in the foot is unparalleled in world football. Um, and I got a couple of responses, mostly from Fulham fans, saying this feels very familiar. And I was like, mm. yeah, no, I get it, I get it. I'm I'm, I'm well aware <laughs> of the, the kind of similarities in some regards, but. That in particular, I was like, what are you doing? So I can look at this running and think, yeah, reasonable. I think, obviously, playing Real Sociedad at the Via Marine should be an advantage. Um, the I think Betis probably have the softest running of the lot. It doesn't mean it's soft, but I think it's the softest of anybody's. Um, that Real Sociedad game 
and then they go away to, to Camp Nou to play Barcelona. The two kind of big ones that stand out. And then there's the derby, but Sevilla are sort of here, there and everywhere. So I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Apart from that, it feels winnable. And mm. and so when you when you look at that, you think, okay, if you win all, all those games bar, bar three, I think Betis will come fourth. But equally, I just don't trust them to win all the games that they're supposed to win because they're undoubtedly someone will get a four-game suspension for punching someone in the face. So <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. Betis, Betis I love deeply, but they are just so incredibly frustrating that I don't know what to make of them. Part of me thinks that Kike Setien's Villarreal might be the team that can calm themselves yeah. into this kind of this race. But then again, I don't really trust them either. They've got quite a few mid-table teams, haven't they? And like we're hitting that stage now where you start to play against teams that have nothing to play for. So like at a quick glance, it does their fixture list doesn't look horrendous, to be fair. Um, and that's what now becomes key. It's like, at a table, yeah, it, it might look like playing someone... Tenth is harder than playing someone down the bottom, but actually it might not be. It no, might yeah. be that, that they've lost all that motivation in their season. So those are the little factors that we've got to put in here. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I mean, uh, despite what Jack says, and he's absolutely right, of course, um, I'm going to say that I reckon Betis will nick fourth. Um, I actually think Real Sociedad might drop down to sixth with VRL jumping into fifth. Mm. I think Athletic... Will finish seventh. They're, they're four points off sixth, and yeah. you know the goal the goal scoring concerns that have plagued the season. Like I'm not expecting them to just magically get better over the course of the last nine games. So um, I'm going to stick Athletic in seventh, and I'm just going to hope, no offence, Osasuna, that that Real Madrid do the business, and that brings Athletic into uh, European football next season. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can be coming from. I, I think there's there's a chance. Villarreal are one of those sides that can either, as as Dean says, they could either go on a six game winning run now, or yeah. they could just drop loads of points. And then by the time Athletic actually come to Villarreal, I think in three four weeks time, they could be in striking distance. Mm. And and so that 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 kind of intrigues me a little bit. But I, I'm I'm with you in that. I think that I think that Athletic will come seventh. I hope Betis come fourth. But then again. I, I have part of me is like I don't think Betis are quite ready for the Champions League yet, and I think that they could have another good run at the Europa League next season if if fixtures fall their way. So, who knows? Who knows? But um, it's going to be very intriguing in Spain, nonetheless. Sam, shall we head onwards? Yeah. Okay. So at number four, uh, I've got the Bundesliga title race, and um, given that this is legitimately a, a title race, and you look at the table and you look at the situation, and it is it is close up there. You know, there's a part of me that the instinct was that this should be higher in the list, but um, I'll tell you in a little in a little while why I ended up placing it a little bit lower than maybe some people expected. But for those of you that aren't looking or aren't paying attention, we, we do legitimately have a title race. Uh, there are just two points separating Bayern and Dortmund, and there are only six games remaining. So this is quite interesting. They do not play each other, which is a huge advantage to Dortmund because all they do is lose to Bayern. Like, if, if they had a game against Bayern left, that would not be an opportunity well, for them. Well, they already did, and that's why they're not top at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they <laughs> always, always lose, basically. Particularly at the Allianz, they usually lose, they can see like four, but the games against Bayern are too tough for them. Their mm. better hope is to try and outlast them over a six-game stretch. So that's that's the opportunity that they have. Whether or not you trust them to do that, given that they just slipped up at the weekend in, in quite remarkable fashion, really, against one of the worst teams in the league in Stuttgart, I, I don't know. But 
the brilliant thing about this is that Bayern have also been really mixed lately. You know, Thomas Tuchel has come in. They've made a managerial switch. There's no way he's had the effect that they were hoping. You know, we put the Champions League aside for one moment and we record in midweek. So again, we don't really know what happens there. But Bayern held at the weekend, not been that convincing over the course of Tuchel's short tenure so far. Although they've only really got one genuinely tough game, I think, in their fixture list, which is RB Leipzig. And they play them at home. So advantage Bayern there in terms of points. Advantage, I think, Bayern in terms of fixtures. Dortmund actually have to play Eintracht Frankfurt, Wolfsburg and Gladbach. So no one as good as Leipzig, but three teams there that are definitely top half material and three teams that are going to be really hard to beat. Yeah, I, I think the kind of the truth of this is maybe revealed in what happened at the weekend, though, rather than actually who they have to play, is that they can both drop points to teams that they're not expecting to drop points to. And and mm. that's, you know, Dortmund at the weekend will be absolutely sickened. You know, the, the fact that not only did they manage to throw away a 2-0 lead to a team with 10 men, they then went 3-2 up in injury time and conceded a 97-minute equaliser against a team who are in scrapping for their lives at the bottom of the table in Stuttgart. And then you kind of look at what happened with Bayern and, and they lost to Hoffenheim, who are not quite as in dire straits as... They didn't lose, they drew with Hoffenheim, sorry. Um, they're not quite as in dire straits as Stuttgart are, but, but are still down there towards the bottom of, of this table. And you're kind of looking at it and going, well, okay, it's all well and good talking about the difficult games that both of them have left. But if they're not winning those kind of games, then what, what do we take out of this? Because it does feel like neither are particularly watertight, cohesive. Mm. I mean, I'm just done with Dortmund, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I love watching them. I, I, if if I was German and I, or I moved to Germany, I'd probably adopt them as my team because it's fun and it's a great place to go and watch football. But just can't trust them at all. And Bayern... You can doubt them. Definitely, there's issues there at the moment. There's bound to be issues if you punch each other in the face. But um, I, I still think, even even with with issues like Mane and Sane, just saying those two names alone tells me why I would give Bayern Munich the edge. Like that, they've got players like Mane and Sane. Like they they've got unbelievable talent. Don't get me wrong, Dortmund, great team. But no, that for me, that defeat to, to Bayern was really telling. Yeah, uh, always is, unfortunately. So look, the reason I put them you know, lower down in fourth, I, I feel like maybe I'm emotionally guarding myself a little bit. I don't want to get too excited at the prospect. As a neutral, well, they say neutral. I always want Dortmund to win the title. <laughs> We're not neutral until we never yeah, yeah, but, Bayern. Of course, yeah. And for Bayern fans listening, it must be really annoying. And I'm sorry, yeah. but like, obviously, if you win 10 titles in a row, we do want you to lose at one point. Um, yeah. And that's, that is the situation. So guarding myself a little bit. Don't really have the faith in Dortmund because they never really they never really get it over the line. But the reality is that this is right in the balance with six games to go. There is a two point gap. Like this is possible. I don't think we thought we'd be here, but we are. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think John McKenzie tweeted it at some point, friend of the pod, over the last few weeks, saying <laughs> humanity has ne- has moved past the need for Borussia Dortmund, and it <laughs> it did make me laugh. It, I was watching it and going. They can't throw this away. Like even Dortmund can't throw this away, and they managed to. And it, if it wasn't so heartbreaking, it would genuinely be comical. Yeah, mm. that, that's where I'm at with it. Like it's one of those laugh or cry moments because we have just got to the point where it's it's so painfully predictable what's going to happen, and yet it hurts nonetheless. 
It does. It does indeed. So they're down in fourth. They're down in fourth. Uh, guess my expectations are set there. I'll move on to number three. Um, this is very interesting. It's not the most exciting. Smack bang in the middle of the ranking, but it's very interesting. This is the Premier League European run-in. It spans three competitions and it includes f- at least five, maybe six teams here who are in the balance. I've seen Dean Jones has just activated focus mode. He's just put his hands together and he's leant forward to look directly at me. This is I've piqued Dean Jones's interest <laughs> as we talk about the Premier League European run-in. Uh, we started Liverpool down in eighth, who've just won 6-1. Um, they're in this fight, you know, some people have probably discounted them a little bit, but they, every now and then they absolutely mm. destroy someone and remind you what they're capable of. Um, Brighton in seventh, so tough to gauge as we keep saying, because they'll, after this weekend, they'll have three games in hand because they're still in the FA Cup and they're just below Villa who are in sixth, who have surged upwards, but will have played three more games than Brighton. Like, how do you, how do you gauge these teams? Spurs are in fifth and they look like a complete mess. I'd say they're more likely to drop further than climb, but you never know. They have Harry Kane and Son. Newcastle have been in the top four all year, as have United. It's crunch time now and the pressure will tell. Newcastle's players generally, I don't think, are used to being in this kind of... Well, Newcastle's a club aren't used to being in this situation and we'll see how the pressure tells. And United have a billion players injured and they're still in two cups. How do you manage the fixture list? It's very, very interesting, guys. And the games played are all different. The competitions they're all in, still in, are, are all different. I don't know what to make of this one. I've seen people count Liverpool out. I've seen people suggest Villa are the top four contender. The takes on this race are wild. Yeah, they definitely are, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's impossible. It's literally impossible to predict. Like anyone that gets this right is is just very good at guessing because that's all it is. It's a guess. It's it, you can't make a measured prediction on this because, as you say, it's all over the place. You've got some teams in loads of competitions and some teams in no competitions, like like Liverpool. So, in reality, Liverpool on the back of a six-one win should now be able to totally focus on their final eight games of the season. And get the job done and actually finish with a Champions League spot, like or at least a European spot, but potentially a Champions League spot, which hasn't they're, been in their grasp for a long time. They're nine points off uh, Newcastle in fourth. They're it's nine points off Newcastle, but we don't know what's going to happen to Newcastle now. They've just been battered by Aston Villa. We don't know what this team's makeup is. Obviously, we've seen for, for 29 games a team that has has been able to actually respond to some adversity. There was there was definitely a wobble that they had and they bounced back from it. Can they do it again? 3-0 defeat, can they come back again? Maybe, but I don't know. if Liverpool, if they can find some consistency right on this home straight, then they can really arrow in on that. Uh, Brighton, as you say, they've got a cup semi-final that has the capability of sending you on a wobble. That that's always a dangerous place to be, but a nice one for Brighton, and they should just enjoy this moment. Like whatever happens, happens from here. You do, you've got to like just just enjoy these moments as a club like that. Um, you know, similar to sort sort of Fulham, if they were in that position, you've just got to enjoy it. You don't expect to be uh, to have these moments. Aston Villa, unbelievable rise. Like what Emery's produced is there is it's like again just a moment to enjoy. This wasn't expected when he came in. If you can clinch something then great. And then you've got the flip of that with Tottenham and Man United, who could just completely fall apart here. And Tottenham probably got the most potential to do that because the self-doubt in that team is absolutely insane. Like, you can you can see it. 
the stages of a game when you're watching Tottenham is just it's like watching it's like going to the theater you know what's going to happen but you're just going to see what the act how the actors are going to pull it off and it's just like they start off everyone's pumped like okay you've had a good team talk we've worked all week we're going to do this we're going to do that that's 10 15 minutes bang on it like good structure good pace to the game and you score a goal and then slowly little things don't come right and you start to retract a little bit and then you start arguing a little bit and then Romero tries like a step over in the far corner or you know somebody else makes an error and the crowd are like what are you doing mate they start turning on each other then Davinson Sanchez is being booed by his own team people are starting to throw all sorts of insults at Pedro Porro saying he's not a good footballer uh Romero's useless Harry Kane standing there in total bewilderment, hasn't touched the ball for about 25 minutes. It's <laughs> utter madness. It's complete madness. But they also have the capability, as I say, to, to win games like occasionally that get them over the line. I got absolutely no idea, mate. This is, again, going all the way back to that rant I had about Liverpool and Man United and Barcelona and Real Madrid. Now football's lost its head. It really has. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's a fair point. Like there is there is there's plenty of there's plenty of wisdom in the madness of that rap, like, and I appreciate it nonetheless. It's aging it, quite it's, well, isn't it? I, I enjoy the play by play of Tottenham's games. By the way, spot on. All, all you um all all you were missing was Pierre Emil Hoybier giving the ball away outside of his own box for no reason. And yeah, <laughs> that, was, true, that true. does happen. But but there's there's loads of really important games between all of the teams that I've just talked about uh, that are obviously going to have a big hand in shaping. It's like Villa basically play all of the top. 10 more or less um so that's important but yeah. starting this weekend newcastle hosts spurs so newcastle's bounce back opportunity is tottenham that's fourth mm. versus fifth Big. and then spurs midweek host man united and then the following weekend they go to anfield so an eight-day stretch for tottenham here after what happened at the weekend wow. is newcastle man united liverpool away mm. on the same day as that third game villa go to old trafford in early May, Villa play Spurs and then Villa go to Anfield and then they host Brighton on the final day. So, interesting. Momentum, obviously, is going to be absolutely huge here and confidence is huge too. But this, this little gauntlet of fixtures here for Spurs, given where they are and they, how, they, how they look so fragile, I look at these next three and I wonder, you could lose all three of those. Like That's very possible. And if you lose three on the bounce or say you only took a point, or two from the next nine, this table would start to look very scary for Tottenham, I think, because Liverpool will want to surge upwards and Villa will be put, will be applying pressure. And if Spurs go and lose to United and Newcastle, they'll obviously be basically six points further adrift of fourth. And yeah. it will leave them in a really, really sticky scenario. Mm. Yeah. I also think that you've got to fo focus on the, the idea that Brighton will be looking at it going, yeah, okay, we've got two games in hand to, to fire ourselves into the European places. There are also two games at Wembley away from securing themselves a, a European place via the FA Cup. Yeah. And that, that could make things very, very interesting in, mm. in terms of how it was. Because if Brighton were to win the, win the FA Cup and then finish seventh, the team in sixth would go into the Conference League just to really, you know, throw the cat amongst the pigeons, right? Yeah. Like that's... And then there's, yeah. there's also the, the idea that if teams win in the Europa League and in, in, in the Champions League, I mean, that's looking incredibly unlikely, but if um, if those things happen as well, then then there's more question marks as ever who goes where, um, depending on where people finish. So it, it, it's chaos and it's loads of fun. And I'm, I'm really excited about seeing how this pans out. 
you know, uh, two months ago, I think we were looking at it and going, Fulham sneak seventh. And and I think that both Dean and I said that it was incredibly unlikely, but that we take it as it comes. And look, circumstances have, have meant that that is now out of the question as far as I'm concerned. But it's fun to be in it, having a say in the conversation. Yeah. Fulham play a lot of these teams as well. You know, Villa mm. come, well, Fulham have to go to Villa Park in midweek and then go to Anfield. There's a lot of kind of spoiler games that Fulham have in the tank left towards the end of this season. I think it's going to be Manchester United on the final day with Alexander Mitrovic back from that ban that he got at Old Trafford um. and United with about three players left, I think, at that point will be quite, <laughs> quite, quite the occasion, you'd imagine. <laughs> Well, look, as we've gone through, we've tried to predict and um, Dean's right, it's impossible, but I'm obligated to give it a stab. Um, I think United, with their points cushion, will be able to secure a top four finish regardless of how many more bodies drop. And I think Newcastle will probably stave it off and finish fourth. I think they'll secure it. It's Tottenham that I think are going to drop. I think Tottenham could legitimately drop down to eighth. Like They need to react so incredibly well to the, and, and they've got three really tough games in the space of eight days or so to do so. I think Liverpool are going to surge upwards and then it's a case of Villa or Brighton. And if it comes down to it, I'd back Villa to beat Brighton at home on the final day. It just depends on those games in hand. But I think I'm going to go for United 3, Newcastle 4, Liverpool 5, Villa 6, Brighton 7, which puts Spurs in 8th. I'm also going Spurs to put Brighton, eighth. I'm also going to put Brighton in seventh, uh, but I think they're going to win the FA Cup, which means that Villa in sixth are going to end up in the Conference League. That's generally what I think is going to happen. <laughs> I don't think they'd oh. mind. I don't yeah. think they'd mind either, but I think they'd be like, oh God, like we just go all the way here. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Unai Emery's um, charm, does it, does it extend to the, uh, the sister competition? Well, he got Villarreal through the through the groups, didn't he? Uh, before he left for Villa. So we have mm. no evidence to suggest that Emery's, what, Emery's charm does not affect the Europa twins in, in the same way that it affected Europa. So I'm going to say that yes. Yes, it would. Yeah. Okay. Well, then they'll be happy with that. Cameron Archer, seven goals in Europe next season. Look forward <laughs> to seeing it. Right. Let's move on to number two, shall we? Okay. Number two is still in the Premier League. We're going to stay there and we're going to look slightly further upwards to the title race. And we are basically back at it again gentlemen Manchester City against another team it's usually Liverpool but this time it's Arsenal and I'm proud to say that we all called this in August didn't we oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. we absolutely yeah. nailed it no absolutely. doubt no we all we all knew this would happen uh next Wednesday the two meet it's the game that we've been looking forward to since December <laughs> I don't know. Whenever it like after when they last the both. first time, yeah, we've been looking forward to this one. They they meet next Wednesday. It's going to be, I think, potentially a bit of an all timer. It goes a hell of a long way to shaping the title. Arsenal having just obviously dropped some points and showing slight frailties. The pressure is now on. They're on seventy four and seventy points respectively. City have the game in hand. They're still in two cup competitions. But do we really think that that matters? They just seem a bit juggernaughty, don't they, when it comes to this stage of the season, regardless of what's on the plate? Yeah, it's 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 not yeah, pretty, is yeah. it? You, you'd imagine City go on and never again, but it hasn't been as, as clear as that. I think for the in general, and I know we're getting to the point in the season where City do just turn this tap on and it seems to just flow. But I think City have been at points less convincing than they have been over the last couple of years. 
throughout this season. Mm-hmm. But the the version and the iteration of City that we're seeing right now is amongst the best versions of them I think we've seen in a long, long time. Yes, I think I'd agree with that. And it's it's the old Dean Jones argument, isn't it? It's like you want proof of concept. Dean's you know, Dean has always favoured City in this title race because he he's seen City go through one of these gauntlets or two of these gauntlets before and win. He's seen them, you know, stave off Liverpool over 14 games and win 14 games in a row. And he's like, well, I have faith in that. You know, I have faith in that over a maybe, over a possibility. And it's it's looking like a good argument, Dean. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I'm a bit annoyed at myself because I started to believe in Arsenal. Uh, anyone that listens to Patreon would have heard me on Friday um, singing their praises and expecting them to absolutely smash West Ham. And they could and probably should have, um, but they didn't. And and then this is where you have to start questioning a team. Um, I mean, it's you've got to be quite careful with it because this is a team that never expected to be in this position. So, you know, you, I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans, you know, Arsenal fan TV is back with a vengeance, I noticed, in the last week or so. Um, and there's the same old faces that they roll out, having a dig at Arteta for his tactical... Uh, decisions, having a digging out a player here and there. It's like, mate, like, get a grip. Arsenal fan, if you're an Arsenal fan that's digging out this team right now, get a grip because you've just watched a season unfold that you never saw coming. They're hitting levels that we didn't know they had. And it's been an unbelievable season to go toe to toe with Man City for even this long. And you're still going to be in it next week, go into their stadium with a chance to actually keep your neck just ahead of them in this race. Like you've got to go in a one-off match at the Etihad and at least not lose it. And and you can do that. Like this team is capable of that. So like, mm. I'm, I'm very cautious here about digging out Arsenal too much. But yeah, it is starting to show that um, pedigree counts for a lot and Arsenal starting to wobble at the worst possible time. Do you, do you really think this is a, a must not lose though? I think I think the, the nature of this game has changed. I think it's it's a verging towards must win for Arsenal. I mean, I think it's a must. I'm, I'm being polite here. I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm trying I mean, no, but I think I think three optimism. weeks ago it was a, it was a must not lose. It's like this game's on the horizon. But as long as you keep winning Arsenal and don't lose that game, you're okay. The last no, I, weeks. I got a slight, slightly different agree on that. In that, I think if Arsenal would get out of this with a point, it would completely shift the momentum again. And actually, I think that momentum might might dig in, in in that regard. I think at the moment, the momentum seems like it's sliding, and that's fine. Well, it's not fine if you're trying to win the title, but it is what it is. I think that a point at City, especially if they came from behind to win a point, and I know that's slightly different in terms of you, you're talking about game states and all of that, but if they came from behind to win a point, I think that this would, would reverse the momentum slide for Arsenal. And then I think it's gonna, it would be very interesting going into the end of this season. Mm, I don't know. I mean, Arsenal's three games on the back of that. Chelsea, fair enough. That's probably easy these days. Newcastle, Brighton, like that. This is a tough spell of fixtures for them. And I I just think like Man City, okay, if they don't get a positive result against Arsenal, what have they got next? Fulham, West Ham, Leeds. No easy games at Craven Cottage, mate. Fulham, West Ham, Leeds and Everton. Like that is 12 points out of 12. Like... With their eyes closed, like that's the problem. There. <laughs> that's the problem, and yeah, and they will react, and they and they'll get that done. Like Holland goes into beast mode, whatever happens. Whereas Arsenal, I don't, I don't know with those fixtures. To be honest, I, I really don't know that. Apart from, I would expect them to beat Chelsea at home, Newcastle away, Brighton at home. I can't tell you that 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 Arsenal on an expected level even get six points out of those two matches. 
Well, yeah, I think it's a must win for Arsenal in midweek. They'll, they'll be fine on Friday, Southampton at home. Uh, nice tonic for the recent disappointment, you'd say. Um, so they can obviously go back into City probably in winning ways. But yeah, I think they have to win that game and I don't think they'll do it. And it's it's going to give City the advantage. So my prediction would be that City they do it again. You know, they do what they've done to Liverpool and yep. it sucks for Arsenal, but they should they can still be proud of it. If yeah. Arsenal draw that game, I, I still remain faithful. I'm going to remain faithful to the to the tide turning. Well, you're good at That's predictions. Everyone knows. Oh that. yeah, I am famous <laughs> very good at predictions. I let my heart sing on that one. Um, if it's a draw, then I think Arsenal remain the tie, and I think that the momentum swing would actually affect them in a majorly positive way. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say that that's how I'm going to call it for now. Okay. All that right. Just on to number one. And we're going to leave England. Some of you will be relieved to hear. And we're going to go to what I genuinely believe is the most exciting part of the end of the season. And it is the Serie A top four race. This is where it's at for me. There is nothing across Europe that can top this one. There may be no title race in Italy. Obviously, they've had this Napoli uh, Scudetto party planned for a little while now. I've noticed, by the way, have you seen the, the videos of like Georgians have started flying in to Naples <laughs> and they're, they're putting on like extra flights from um, Tbilisi to Naples. So lots of Georgians are arriving in Naples over the next week or so in order to celebrate Kvara's achievement with Napoli, really? which is genuinely lovely. Amazing. It probably should have been at the top of the show. Um, but obviously it's all, it's all part of it. And, and that's, that's Napoli. They're, they're, they're away. They're done. They're sorted. Just below them, though, absolute bear pit. Incredible stuff. It's six teams for three Champions League spots and there's a huge asterisk uh, lying over the whole thing as well. So let's lay it out. Basically, Lazio have been exceptional recently and they look really good value for second place. They have been best of the rest, haven't they? I think it is quite clear to see at this point. Yeah, and they're, uh, they're five points clear of Roma in third who are three points clear of Milan in fourth. Inter, who many people picked as Scudetto favourites start the season, including myself, winless in five, lost to Monza at the weekend, fifth. Although they are looking good in the Champions League, although <laughs> they play on the eve tonight when we record. So let's see about that one. We'll see. But mm. looking good, looking good. Bit of a cup team, not much of a league team at the moment. Then you've got Atalanta and Juventus down in, in sixth and seventh. Now Juventus, 15-point penalty appealed what is going to happen well we'll if find it's out revoked. the day this is released right so april the 19th if you're is listening it? to this on release date then the hearing is set for today um, okay okay wow. it's i mean it affects so much and one thing i'll just i'll point out before i talk about it any further but like max allegri obviously he can't he can't control the manager of Juventus can't control the points deduction he can only control like what his players have done on the pitch. And he continually references his players' performance on the pitch and their like position in the league table and their points tally as if the points deduction did not exist. Now well, he's, he's just there like we're third, and you're like, you're, you're not third, G. Yeah. It's, yeah, he's trying to claim that they have way more points than they do and that they're in a different position. So but you know, if they if, if that points deduction was revoked, they'd shoot up to 59 right. points. Yeah. And they'd go third. They'd push Roma to fourth and they'd push AC Milan down to fifth. And, you know, as far as he's concerned, they have earned 59 points. 
That's their performance. And that's what he keeps saying. And it's kind he's, of true. He's correct about yeah, that. Yeah, it's true. But he is ignoring the fact that, as we speak, they don't actually have that many points. Oh. But if they suddenly shoot up into third, first of all, they start to put a little bit more pressure on Lazio above them. But they push Roma into fourth, still in the Europa League. They push AC Milan down into fifth. They push Inter all the way down to sixth. And it hurts Atalanta as well, down to seventh. Half of these teams are still in Europe which further complicates everything, you know, squad rotations, fitness, priorities. This is absolutely fascinating for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is really interesting. It's, it's really, really interesting. And this this hearing is going to be one of this. Also, in regard to the hearing, I believe um, that they cannot reduce it. So they can't make it a seven-point penalty. It's either all or nothing. They can either Ooh. confirm or completely revoke this 15-point penalty. So either Juventus are jumping up to 59 points or they are staying on 44. That's that's where we're at. There's going to be no, all right, have half the points back, lads. Yeah. You know, cheer up. Up to uh, 51, level with so, Inter. Yeah, that sort of thing. So there's none of that. It's, it's all or nothing in that regard, which makes it incredibly interesting. Um, yep. And then, you know, you look at how this series, this, this pans out. Now, as we say, Napoli, are, I think, are done at the top, even if they have had a, a little wobble of late. They're, they're 14 points clear with seven, eight games to go. Um, they, it, would, it would involve an absolutely unprecedented collapse, even for Napoli standards, uh, <laughs> to, to, drop, to drop the title from here. And I think yeah. they'll be fine. Um, although their next game is against Juventus. <laughs> if, if you may have... If you've ever clawed themselves back, if the penalty is revoked, then maybe you will be looking at it going, we've done weird things before, we'll do it again. <laughs> um, but we shall see. I think it's a, it's done enough. But you actually look at the fixtures between the rest of the the rest of the teams in this in this scrap, and it's really, really interesting. Roma in particular, it have an absolutely horrendous run in, in their next six or seven. Actually, to be honest, all the way to the end of the season. They obviously they have the the second leg against final this week. Then they have Atalanta away. Then they have Milan at home. They have Monza away. Then Inter at home. They have Bologna away, who've been in absolutely cracking form. Salernitana at home. Then Fiorentina away again in excellent form. And Spezia at home on the final day. That is a horrendous run in for Roma. And, and you know you look at you go and look at Milan and Inter's. It's not much. You know it's not much different. You know they have obviously Roma. They have Lazio. They have Juve. They have Verona, who are scrapping for their lives. Um, and in to have Lazio, they have Roma, they have Napoli, they have Atalanta. They have Juve in the, in the Coppa Italia as well, which is kind of a, a separate issue going on in, in a separate... It's just everyone is playing everyone. And it, mm. it, it's, as you say, Sam, I think you nailed it with your first point. It's a bear pit. Mm, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. Uh, and the stakes as well for some of these clubs through the roof. I mean, Roma and Lazio have been absent from the Champions League for, for much too long. Um, much too long for me. Um, two of Italy's like esteemed great clubs from the capital and, and they just haven't been on that stage. Um, Inter, I mean, Inter, like obviously the champ, the Champions League revenue, if, you know, if they get through to the semi-final and stuff like very helpful, but we're continually told that Inter financially are in trouble. And every summer they get to, they have to sell a, a prime player. Lo they lose a player they don't want to lose. What happens if they fail to qualify for the Champions League, you know, mm. and lose that revenue? And then Milan, having made like progressively good steps over the last couple of seasons, getting back into the Champions League, winning the title, getting to the knockout stage of the Champions League for the first time in a decade or, or, or so. What happens if they drop out? 
Like, what does that what does that do to the project? What does that mean for that all that progress that they've made year by year? There's there's so much at stake here. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's going to be really, really intriguing towards the end of the season in Italy. I agree with you, Sam. I would have had this top of the list of all the things left yeah. in this season. It's just so, so exciting. So, how's it finish? Hmm. Oh, I think <laughs> I reckon. All, I reckon Napoli all, win the league. Juventus is appeal. No, I kidding. reckon Napoli <laughs> win the league. Um, so that, that, that's good. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Yes. Nothing. Hey, I've been I saying think... that. I'm the only person in the world who's been saying that since Dot this season. So there you have it. If Juventus's appeal is upheld and they're given their points back and they vault up to 59, do you think that they will ride the wave to the end of the season and stay in the top four? Yes. Yes. I do too. Mm. Do you think Lazio can be overhauled in second place? No. Yes. I don't think they can either. No, I think Lazio finished second, full stop. Well, if Juve go on to 59 points, they're only two points behind them. Can they then catch them? Yeah, but yeah. Juve in their last two but, games yeah. have, have lost to Sassuolo and where they were absolutely... No, I know, but I, I, I just think, like, the, imagine the boost you'd get of getting suddenly 15 points back in the bag and then being like, right, go on then. Yeah. yeah uh, like but when that. Napoli when Napoli turn up at the weekend in Turin after being knocked out unceremoniously of the of the Champions League by Milan defending for a nil-nil and they turn it on and score five goals. I I, I am worried for for yeah. Juve's, I mean, yeah, Juve's sanity. Got, Juve've got mm. Napoli and Inter next, yeah, so it's big big fixtures, but I would actually they are very back, big. I'd back them to do it. Why I don't know. And, if they if they if they're um I, I genuinely think if Juve's points appeal Goes goes through and they get the fifteen points back. They will finish in the top four, but I think they will finish fourth. I think they'll go third. I think it dumps Roma and Milan down one. I don't think Inter have got it in them. They just look too bad in the league. And if there's something to cling on to here, it's that Roma at home tend to be very strong. Yeah. <clears throat> they tend to they tend to win and they tend to win with a clean sheet. Like they're very reliable at knocking those out. And that's probably what I'd hang on to there. Um, over the something like AC Milan, who are much more combustible, I think. So I think I'd go Napoli, Lazio, Juventus, and then Roma if Juve get the points back. Obviously, if Juve don't, Milan probably sneaking in fourth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, do, I, I would pretty much agree with that, although I think that Roma will finish ahead of Juventus this season. Just with, mm-hmm. as you say, that, that home record is so, so good. Uh, but with yeah. that, I think it's probably time for us to close this segment off. So thank you very much, Sam. That was, that was wonderful. And there's lots to look forward to at the end of this season. Uh, after the break, we have Men of the Week and the gibberish rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for everybody's favourite part of the week. Dean Jones, the floor is yours. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Bakaya Saka. Oh, no. No. Sorry. No. You know know I love him. No. You know I love him. No, 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 no. I want the world for this guy. No. But unfortunately, he's just cost his team a league title. No. No. It was terrible. Do you it remember was when I was talking about Lorenzo Pellegrini and the reaction to the penalty miss? Can we have a bit more Roma <laughs> energy from you, please? This is no. terrible news. It's terrible news. He's cost me loads of points in fantasy <laughs> and he's cost his team a league title, potentially. Like, oh, he's a brilliant. Uh, he hasn't actually been brilliant in the last four games, but we've talked before about, like, he's, he's literally been in there every week. He can't perform every single week. And, like, I've, I'm having to be ruthless here. And I'm like, okay, I've got to take this on 
surface value. Like, what have we seen here? We've seen the chance to win Arsenal a key game in a title race they weren't expected to win. There was pressure on him. Gabby Jesus even tried to help him by holding the ball, give him his space, give him his time to set up for what he was going to do. And he stuck it like two yards wide. He tried to stick it like top bins or whatever he was trying to do. Like It's just really bad. It was just a really bad moment. And as much as I you know, was stuck up for Arsenal a minute ago, it is made on moments like this. And he'll be made on moments like this too. And I hope he could... I hope the team do rally round him. I hope the fans do rally round him and that he, you know, bounces back from this against Southampton and bangs in a hat trick or something. Uh, we know he's got a strong frame of mind. You know, obviously missed a high profile penalty for England um, and Wembley. And he, he bounced back from that with, with form. We didn't ever know that he would be able to produce and he's absolutely great state of mind. Ah, oh, man, this was Melanish. He didn't need to I hate go this. for a penalty. I hate of that this. And I don't, I, don't, I don't even care about the fact that he's got the ability to, to bounce back against Southampton and, and, and maybe Scott. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. What, really, what I really hate, Dean, is it's an England footballer who has now missed two really important penalties. And it just shen, sends shivers down my spine, mate. You've got yeah. the Euros one that you referenced. You've got this one in a high pressure scenario. I just, can we just get some players that can do this outside of Harry Kane? He literally Please. like this is the thing, isn't it? It's about mentality and doubting. Like Kane is a mentality monster. Like for whatever you want to say, like most of the time, he missed, missed the biggest one we've ever had. He's, he's missed our last penalty. <laughs> missed our last penalty. It really matter. But like, he has been so dependable apart from yeah. that one massive one. And, uh, uh, it's there just were a, a couple, None man. of us have got it. None of us have got it. No, it's oh. true. It's true. I'm good at pens. Um, the, I didn't like Irish. doing that, lads. No, I'm I Irish. Like doing that. I tell you what, there were a couple of ones. Ihan Usu scored a 94th minute own goal equaliser in the Prague derby. We got sent by uh, Bob at Legend as say on Twitter. Yeah, um, that was pretty bad. Um, a bit chaotic, yeah. and he, they were really in charge of that game until he decided to go. Uh, and I enjoyed this from Xavier Lynch, who tweeted us saying, "Richard Keys." Men of the week. Uh, I'm just going to read you out Richard Keyes' tweet from this week. It was excellent. He said, I failed to see what Julian Nagelsmann knows that Frank Lampard doesn't. If it's a straight choice between the two, I'd go with the legend that knows Chelsea inside out, not someone who might have a more impressive PowerPoint display, but knows nothing about the club or our league. Oh my God, I hadn't seen that. Wasn't there another was another part of the conversation? He'd been on. He'd been on the whatever show he's on and he was like is it because he is it because he like rides a skateboard is that is that why he's more popular than frank lampard it's like no no it's because he's a proper football manager in that yeah have you watched chelsea <laughs> mate have you watched chelsea actually the other the other contender i did consider was luis suarez who took a disgraceful penalty, penalty for gremio yeah he is gremio he, he took a penalty for gremio and stuck it way way over the bar but gremio still won the game so it wasn't quite as costly it was a terrible penalty though it's worse than Saka's. Um, so he's escaped that. Look, it's time for shout out of the week. This week's shout out of the week, and thanks to everyone who sent them, is Vincent. Vincent has done a ranking of Ranks FC and given us five stars. Bit of a long one, I have to rattle through it. He said, Right, the first aspect is the evident love of our three hosts and what they do for each other. Jack Dean and Sam are all extremely passionate about the sport and all in different ways to celebrate who they are and what they enjoy about this game from Jack's love of niche storylines and good vibes 
Sam's passion for restoring some order to chaos and whatever it is that Dean actually likes. Okay, I mean, seriously, <laughs> who even is that guy? In all seriousness, Lampardian transition. The way different opinions are shared such that they represent not only their own personal take, but also that of the listeners keeps me looking forward to my Wednesday morning commutes. With these three, you get a full spectrum of football coverage. Speaking of, the second thing I love about this pod is the wide array of topics. The Premier League is naturally the big headline stories, but then the five top leagues also take time um, in each of the main midweek episodes. However, unlike any other football podcast I've listened to, they branch out to lesser known and definitely lesser spoken about leagues, players and stories that you didn't even know you wanted to hear about. Trust me, you do want to hear about it. Um, I'm going to skip that bit. This is taking too long. I cannot begin to count how many conversations I've had with my mates as a direct result of this podcast. And for that, I'll take the opportunity to thank you three. This brings me to the third thing I love about this pod, and that is the gibberish. No, I don't mean their discussion of, of how good or bad a Captain Harry Maguire is. I mean the ranking of whatever gibberish is on their mind. My life would be measurably worse if it was not for these rankings and for this podcast that I've followed since its BR days. Thank you, thank you, thank you is basically what he says from there on out. Thank you. Long live Rank Squad from vincent and i will say like that's a lovely message vincent i cheers vincent thank you 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 did some proper work on that and i hope it does bring in some listeners when they when they go through the reviews uh we also had one from bulgaria phx he he sent in a few nice words i wanted to say thanks he reckons he might be our only listener in bulgaria um and he's probably probably got a point um i can't think of anyone on patreon that we've got sam might know more um that's in bulgaria doesn't really ring a bell there to be honest um yeah. so that's interesting and i do have one other thing to say lad before we move on to the gibberish um we're going to take a moment here for one of our loyal listeners michael who did get in touch and he just wants us to to help him with something he said i want to offer a different sort of shout out of the week to a man called steve tuffer now steve was an ambulance paramedic and co-worker to my wife and I, who was stabbed and sadly murdered in the back of his ambulance while on duty on Friday morning in southwest Sydney. He was a genuinely good bloke and a friend to all who leaves behind his newly wedded wife and three young children. We as paramedics go to work each morning with care and compassion in our foremind. We understand the apparent risk that we do not always get to go home safely each night, and that is the thing that scares us the most. Steve paid the ultimate price. This has been the third emergency service death on active duty in the last six months in Australia. I don't know if Steve was a football fan, but I would have accepted him no matter which fan base or ultras group he belonged to. If the rank squad could do us a favour, the next time you're out for a pint or you're just having a quiet one at home, raise a glass to Steve and the legacy he leaves behind. Stay safe, everyone, and check in with the ones you love. The world can be an unforgiving place. This is my different suggestion for shout-out of the week. Absolutely, Michael, like, thoughts with you. I messaged you separately on the back of it. Um, Tough time for you. And, yeah, just puts everything into context. Sometimes football is really meaningless in the context of the world but um we try to raise spirits as much as we can but let's never forget that our mates are what really matters indeed indeed it feels quite hard going into a gibberish after that doesn't it like, I'm no, like, i think oh, i think michael would like us everything. to now lift the mood i thought i would like we'll to have to mood. um thank yeah. you michael and we're, we're honestly all, all thoughts are with you um and with steve's family of course uh as well um i'm gonna try and lift the mood so here goes <laughs> It is time for 
our gibberish ranking, which Vincent obviously mentioned in his review. Uh, and I'm actually taking over today, lads. I'm taking, taking some... You don't get to do these very often. I don't, but I, I've got a good one, I think, um, in that I would like to talk about my favourite golf clubs in my set. Uh, okay. And also, I'm going to compare them to a footballer okay. so that we can talk about them. So, in three uh, is a hybrid five iron sort of thing that I have, um, which I call auntie. His name is auntie because uh, I learned about a hybrid by playing with my aunt for the first time. And I was using her set of clubs, which are a women's set. And I was like, wow, the way I hit the ball is so poor that actually I play much better with a women's set of clubs. So what I did was I went out and bought my own version of this, but I didn't buy a women's version of it. I bought a men's version of it because I was like, well, it'll probably fit better. And it's just much worse than having the women's <laughs> version of it. So I'm furious with myself. Uh, about this fact but uh, I have learned how to play with this club and last year it was probably the best club in my in my set mm. so I'm going to call this club and compare it to Tammy Abraham because last year this club was on fire this year <laughs> I have not been able to hit the ball with my hybrid five until last week where last week I suddenly found out how to hit the ball with the five again I was like wow we're back and just as Tammy Abraham came off the bench to score the third goal against Udinese at the weekend. I feel like this is the start of something special for me and the five hybrid going into the big stretch of the season. Now, some of you who follow me on, on social media will know that me and my brother play in a golf tournament that we, we, we created a couple of years back called RPI. It's a very, very important thing to us. Uh, Tom and I captained the first two teams in it uh, and are still uh, belong to those two teams. So it's it's a big thing. Tom's team has won one. My team has won one in the last two years. Um, voice note Max, so some of you will know from, from the Patreon, uh, also a big member of, of this RPR community. Uh, you can follow us on uh, on Instagram if you want. Uh, Royal Caravelle. <laughs> Hang on a minute. What's this? <laughs> um, yeah, it's an advert. Hi, Dad. Uh, but basically, the point, is, the point is that I need to be back in form for RPI, which is in about five weeks time all right yeah and this five hybrid coming back into form for me at the right time feels very tammy abraham firing roma into the champions league so that, that's where i'm going with that I like okay. it. nice and number two here is my pitching wedge which i know as christopher columbus um there's two reasons for this one the person that taught me how to use a pitching wedge was called chris and my godfather and he showed me how to use it. The Columbus bit is because a lot of the time when I take my pitching wedge out, it feels like we're going on an adventure because <laughs> I have absolutely no idea where the ball is going to go next. <laughs> so sometimes we go straight for, for the dock. We're, we're, we're onto the green and everyone's having a good time. Um, and sometimes uh, I could be off the way in the woods Having, having, going to find things, you know, learning new things and exploring really the golf courses, mm. the bits of golf courses that I think most people don't even really get to explore, which is, <laughs> which is pretty cool. So I feel like sometimes I'm exploring the new world. Uh, and that's why it's known as Christopher Columbus. The player I'm going to compare it to in this regard is Nicola Pepe. Now, there are moments of sublime <laughs> class with me and my pitching wedge, especially when I'm around the green and it's just very small thing. But as soon as I have to try and do anything that's over about 50 yards, it all goes Pete Tom. Uh, it cannot, cannot get it to work. Um, it, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. And uh, sometimes I do often feel like sending my pitching wedge out on loan um, and actually just bringing in a gap wedge or something to, to, to do a job while, while, while it's away. So, so Nicola Pepe. Uh, the pitching wedge and and my favorite club is my putter which i know is old faithful uh, because it's been with me 
for my entire golfing career. Now, in this time, my rest of my clubs have changed. My putter is the only thing that is the same from the original bag that I took from my dad that when he got a new set of clubs and he just gave me his old ones. The putter nice. remains. Uh, so the old faithful there it is my oldest club. It's also my best club. It's the club that I am most comfortable with. And a player that I'm going to compare my putter to is Ruben Neves. Because my putter from about anywhere over 10 yards, right? So as long as we're not actually trying to do something that's genuinely sensible, is on fire. I can putt from 40 yards and I like more than more than anyone else I know will find a spot that looks pretty good. People are like, oh, wow, you're amazing. As soon as it gets in the box, right, as soon as I'm actually in a, in a place <laughs> where I should should put something home from, it's all over the place. It's only good from distance. So my putter is Ruben Neves. <laughs> I like uh, it. I, I mean, Ru- Ruben Neves actually isn't that good from distance either, mate. Nah, <laughs> He, enough he takes a he takes a lot of shots but not very many of them go in i yeah, thought you were going to say mark no i thought you were going to say mark noble the ones that do go in are uh, are spectacular that's nice. important it's important nice. to remember yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. About these discussions Absolutely. so um so yeah there we have it that's the gibberish rankings oh, my favorite golf clubs and the players that they represent old faithful old faithful so, mm-hmm. sounds more like a ship yeah or an after or it'd be my aftershave Mm. I think that is, and I think it's also a drink, isn't it? Um, yeah, so. it <laughs> yeah, it does. But yeah, don't drink aftershave. Don't drink aftershave. Uh, world life advice from <laughs> us here at Ranks FC. And on that bombshell, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day. So all that's left for me to do is to stay. Thank you so much to Sam Ty, the Rank God. Cheers, buddy. Thank you so much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins, Name of Hearts. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for tuning in as ever. We will be back on a Thursday night slash, or Wednesday night slash Thursday morning, I should say, uh, with our Champions League review show. So make sure you're tuned into that. We'll be looking at the teams who have made it into the semi-finals and what went down in the Champions League this week. There will be Champions League previews and Europa League shows on our YouTube channel. You fancy going over there and of course a spotlight as well on our patreon the link as ever is in the description if you fancy coming and joining us over on patreon for two extra shows a week thank you so much for tuning in to ranks fc today and we will see you very shortly take it easy gang peace final seconds of the game a chance to score and the chance has gone begging if your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities Get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify's truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up 
for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. 